do you think you're a trading hotshot? Well, you're not if you're trading these cold sectors on the Aussie market. Which sectors, you ask? Download my free hot or not special report from tradinggame.com.au forward slash hot or not to find out. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. Now on with the show. I'm Christopher Tate and welcome to My Market Wrap for the week ending the 9th of September 2022. But before we begin, as usual, there is some parish news to attend to. The first is that everything presented here is of a general nature only. Uh, there is no personal specific advice given at all. The second is if you're picking this up as a podcast, I will be referencing a lot of charts during uh, this little chat. So to get full value out of this, uh, it depends upon you heading over to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash tradinggame, and subscribing to that. That way you can you get a better sense of what I'm talking about as we go along. In terms of what I'm going to talk about for this little market wrap, I want to concentrate primarily on probably two interrelated themes. The first is commodities markets in general, but also how I go about the notion of looking at these somewhat disparate markets and making some sort of sense out of them. The chart you see here is of one month relative performance of a, a series of commodities. And I've drawn this from a website called Finviz, which offers this for free. And you can see that currently the commodities market is presenting what we would term as a, a smile. That is, you have some well-performing positive commodities and some poorly performing negative commodities. So it takes on the appearance of a smile. But when I view this sort of thing on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis, I'm actually only interested in the wings. I'm actually only interested in what is happening to the outlier parts of the market. I'm not interested in the contraction in the middle because the contraction in the middle indicates to me that the relative performance of these instruments is not worthy of attention. And one of the things about commodities is that you can actually eyeball the charts. A lot of people talk about they're going to scan commodities markets. My response to that is, why? There's only a handful of commodities. You can simply open the chart up and look at it. And it is that opening up of the chart and looking at the actual price action that is the most valuable thing. I think a lot of the time in trading, we get lazy and we try and outsource a lot of the decision-making to the technology in the hope that the technology will be A, perfect, and B, do the work for us. There is nothing quite like opening charts and just looking at them by hand. And you can see in this particular chart that the poorest performing commodity is gasoline. Now remember, in, commodities are different to shares in that they are... Mm, what's an easier way to put this? It is easier to go short a commodity than it is a stock. And there is an expectation within commodities markets that you have this bilateral form of trade. You can go long, you can go short. The market is actually set up to do that and does that quite well. So when I see an outlier like gasoline down the bottom, whose one-month performance is a drop of 18.24%, if I hadn't already noticed that unfolding as it was occurring over the past quarter, 
then that would get my attention. And if we look at a chart of gasoline, you can see that since the peak in June, gasoline has been falling. And this is largely true for most of the energy sector, which is intriguing for this notion of runaway inflation that we are supposed to have. If you look across commodities as a generalised group over a fair span of time, they have all either been drifting or coming down. So whatever inflationary effect we are seeing is not really being driven by these primary elements. It's coming from somewhere else. And you can see here with gasoline, it has been in a sustained downtrend for three months. And that is part of the course of the energy market at present. And I said just before that commodity markets are set up too short because that is part of their function. Part of their function is to act as this sort of mechanism that enables people to take that sort of view quite easily. And one of the things I would offer to people who are perhaps new to commodities is not to be concerned about that. If I were to remove the name from this, you would not be able to tell me whether it was an index or a share or an FX contract. It's simply an aggregation of price. So that when you get the signal to go, you go. It's as simple as that. And you'll notice also that uh, most of the charts I'm going to use today actually come from a free site called Bar Chart. And that is in many ways to encourage those of you who don't have access to commodity data to actually use a site like Bar Chart to facilitate your analysis and to get used to simply looking at price as it occurs and to get used to the fact that price is no different whether it be a commodity or a share. And once you get over that hump, then that opens up a much wider market for you. And we can see this slippage in energy markets also in crude. Crude also peaked in June and has been drifting down. Last night's session in crude was very positive, having had a series of negative sessions. And it will be interesting to see whether that positive session, which is a single session, and you cannot make a decision on a single session, translates into a wider move. And whether in some way, shape or form, that this downtrend we've been in abates and the market turns around. As a side note, one of the interesting things that I have been doing recently is IG Markets offers what's known as a client sentiment indicator. And what that does is it tells you the number of or the percentage of their clients that are either long or short an instrument. You don't have to be Einstein to work out that as the market fell from June through to September, the majority of their clients were actually long. The wisdom of the crowds, as it is supposedly put out there, is very, very much an overhyped phenomena. Investment crowds, by and large, are fairly thick. The only contrary indicator in the energy complex itself is natural gas. And this, this is a flow through from the problems that are occurring in Europe. But you'll see that there is a topping around the 10, 10, 10 mark in natural gas that it has failed to move beyond. And so from August to today, you can see it's almost blocking. It's in this blocking formation where 
The low's a little bit above 750, high's just above 10, and it seems to be meandering within that range. Now, for the these previous three charts, I don't see anything actionable in them as of yet. They're simply as of interest charts. That's a different situation when I look at uranium. This is actually an ETF. Its code is URA. Uranium itself is quite difficult to trade. There doesn't seem to me to be a primary source. So what we need to do is trade analogues in some way, shape or form. And this caught my eye simply because of this triple top here that it's been banging against. Whenever I see these nexus points, they always interest me because you get this opportunity where if they break through, you can go long. If they fail, you can go short. And so they present this opportunity to traders to participate no matter what happens. And this, to my way of thinking, is one of the few direct ways you can participate in uranium. The other way I mentioned was to find analogues. And this, this is often something that stock traders have to do when they can't actually get access to the direct commodity themselves. So what I did was curate a list of local uranium stocks. And there's only a handful, despite what people think, that there are not vast reams of uranium-based stocks here in Australia. And this is the list I quickly threw together for this presentation. And of these, in terms of things to note, things to keep out a lookout for, uh, something to post on your screen and watch, is Deep Yellow. You'll notice it bears a somewhat passing resemblance to the uranium ETF. It has a similar patterning. You also see this blocking around 124, around that mark. Again, this presents an opportunity for people, or it's a, a waypoint to warn you as to what may or may not be occurring. Admittedly, it is, it is harder to go short stocks in Australia than anywhere else, but should it break up, it still gives you the opportunity to go long. And one of the things about the energy crisis that is unfolding around the world is the notion that there is talk of people bringing back reactors online. This is a function of that sort of emotional discussion. And if that discussion gets any sort of momentum, then things like this are worth looking at. If that discussion peters out and dies a natural death, then these go back to being also runs. But moving away from this sort of commodity, in terms of those that are attracting my attention, corn is one of them. Corn's been very, very positive for the past month. We have this sort of resistance at 685. 685 and above is a trigger point for me. And for all the gold bugs out there, of which there are innumerable ones in Australia for some particular reason, it seems to be a national obsession among analysts and brokers for whatever reason, despite my view that it is largely obsolescent as a commodity that was supposed to be a store of wealth or a hedge against inflation, which in turn sounds a lot like Bitcoin. There is some positive news in that it is holding around the 1700 mark, having drifted down from 2100 earlier in the year. So you are getting a little bit of a bounce there is something holding it up. 
at this point. There's nothing to get terribly excited about, but at least for the gold bugs, it is not going down and cutting the legs out from under uh, whatever gold positions they have in the market. Speaking of Bitcoin, you can see last night's bar, very, very strong bar. And you can see that the price, this is actually Bitcoin futures, is trying to hold just below 20,000. Again, my opinion remains the same. If it collapses through 20,000, there is not a lot stopping it before it hits 10. But that's presuming it does, and that's a presumption. You always have to wait and see. But you can see it's stuck in this band. And however long it stays in this band is anybody's guess. What we do know is that the moment it starts to move, everyone involved in Bitcoin will go all the Twitter and believe that their problems are all over. However, I always caution against people wanting to trade these bands. They look very easy to trade in hindsight. Because when you see these congestion zones, people go, well, I would have bought it here and I would have sold it there and I would have bought it here again and I would have got every high and low. Now, what you end up doing is buying and selling along the congestion at the midpoint. So all you're really doing is churning your account. From my perspective, this actually needs a solid break up or down to be bothered with in any way, shape or form. In terms of more traditional currencies, my interest in the best performer from, from my observation has been US dollar yen with this tremendously strong breakout from 110 to 145. But last night was a very bumpy session. I should mention that one of my very short-term systems has turned bearish on this in the short term, not in the long term. To me, it is still meandering up. But there will come a point, there will come a nexus whereby the simple reality of the economics of it will bring this to a screeching halt. And last night's trade was some indication of that. But again, we have this notion of price stuck within a band. What has been interesting within currency markets has not only been the strength of the US dollar, but the comparative weakness thereof of the euro, with this talk of the euro back at parity. And you can see this extended downtrend from April 21. So we've got a market that's been going down for some time. What always intrigues me is people who buy these falling markets. So what I did was I plotted this as a weekly chart and I've grabbed some volume. This is the Euro US dollar futures. That's why it has volume. Volume's a little bit misleading in futures markets because... You can buy to open, you can buy to close, you can sell to open, you can sell to close. This is the notion of novation. But if we take the very generalised notion, the very simplistic notion that for every seller there is a buyer, there are people who, for whatever their motivation, have been buying this all the way down for the better part of a year, which in and of itself is intriguing and demonstrates the fact that despite the fact that Trading has, in terms of its execution, become easier. 
In terms of its liquidity, it's gone through the roof. In terms of its cost, it's come down. In terms of the tools you have available, they've gone through the roof. You still can't remove the human element of stupidity. The major reason why people fail at trading is they will have looked at a chart like this of the euro US dollar, which is going down. Let's assume that they would have seen that topping formation in February 22 and they would have gone, that's a buy signal for whatever reason. They had their chart upside down, they have a head injury, they've got to take their medication. One of the great things about trading is that I can paraphrase and steal from P.T. Barnum, who said you will never go broke underestimating the intelligence of the general public. And with regard to trading, even though the quote was not meant for trading, he was perfectly correct. In terms of equity markets, uh, this is from the S&P 500. You can see the last three days. The last three days have been quite positive. Wheat got off to an ordinary start, but then improved from Wednesday onwards, with last night being up 1.5%, which is a reasonable gain in a market that has been drifting down for a little while and which has been battered by uh, concerns of inflation and concerns of rising interest rates. You can see these last three bars here. Particularly the bar on Wednesday is a very, very interesting one, simply because it overwhelms the one before it. Again, this is not anything to get terribly excited about, but in a market that's been meandering down all year, this is at least a reasonably positive sign, particularly given that Friday's move was this sort of artificial gap up that we had. And it's taken the sting out of some of the drawdown in the S&P 500. And you can see that the drawdown now sits at about 15%. It was down at 20, 20 and a bit percent, which is the traditional cutoff that people put in place somewhat arbitrarily for the notion of a correction. You can still see we're way off the COVID pop where we were down 35% or more and we are miles off the GFC failure of beyond 50%. So whilst the market has been coming down, it is not as disastrous as people think. And as much as people think that we are repeating 2007-2008, at present there doesn't seem to be any real evidence of this other than... uh, poorly convoluted attempts to lay one chart over another. And we always have to be careful about the narratives we create because the narrative we create crafts our thinking, which in turn crafts our view, which in turn corrupts the signals we may or may not see because what people end up doing is trading their emotions, not the market. And this has always been a perennial problem. It is very difficult for people to trade what they see They trade either their emotional response to what they're seeing or what they want to see. And there's a plethora of people and commentators out there who desperately want to see a market crash. So everything they see is somehow indicative of that. This market could go up now continuously for the next six months and they would still see that as sign of an impending crash. This is just the S&P 500 weekly. And you can see last week's bar. That is quite a positive sign. But again, you can see there are that collection of lower highs that we actually have. So we actually have to, in some way or shape or form, defeat those before we can get terribly excited about what's going on. 
the major shadow over the market is this. And this is the 30-year T-bond out of the US. And I've marked this up simply because in the trading from June to now, we've actually marked out a low, but then a higher low. So bonds in and of themselves have not continued to fall in response to rising interest rates or perceptions thereof or future perceptions thereof. So again, that to me is mildly positive, but you can only ever trade what you see. And even so, at present, there is still no way I would be long bonds in any way, shape or form, because here there is no signal for me. This, to me, just indicates that the market has lifted the handbrake on its perceptions momentarily. Those perceptions may change, and this downtrend may re-exert itself. And finally, our market. Our market had two positive days, which is a real surprise. Again, nothing to write home about, because the Australian market is dependent for its movement on external events, in particular movements in commodities. We desperately need commodity prices to move to generate any form of excitement within the Australian market, and that's simply a function of the lack of depth of our market. The Australian market on any given day might make up 2% of world market capitalisation. So it's really quite small, despite its apparent size to the individual. And the same pattern that we've been seeing for ages presents itself here in Australia. We've got this blocking at 7,900, where the market just can't, could not seem to get beyond, began to fall away, recovered a little bit, topped at 7,400, fell away again. But this is mildly positive, and I should also point out that one of my short-term systems has triggered me long into the... S&P 200. So I do actually have a long position sitting in the market at present over a much shorter time frame than this. This this is a daily chart. So in terms of a wrap of what I'm seeing, from my perspective, by and large, commodities continue to drift, with the odd exception like corn. The energy sector remains weak. Most indices are not setting the world on fire. They're a little bit positive. But again, you have to be circumspect and you have to pick and choose your opportunities, which is why I brought up the notion of uranium. It's quite possible within portfolios to have what you would call a special situations fund. That is a fund that just takes small, almost sniper-like positions in segments or sectors that are moving, that are in some way, shape or form, showing some form of life. Traditionally, it used to be gold. Uh, when gold began to sparkle, uh, people would take positions in the smaller unhedged miners. Now, I mention unhedged for a reason. There's no point buying hedged miners if you're bullish gold, simply because they do not partake of any, any upward movement in the price of gold. Their price of gold is fixed, so there's no speculative element to them. Unhedged miners have that speculative element, which as a, as a trader is the thing you want. You don't want to be sit there in a moribund stock that is simply hedged its exposure to a given price and you're stuck and you're sat there wondering why your particular instrument is not moving when all others have. 
And it's not moving for a simple reason. You've made a mistake. You've bought the wrong thing. And so if we bring this back to our notion of uranium, what we have to do is in some way, shape or form, or what investors do, is to find instruments that are closely related to the price of uranium, that have a high correlation, so that in any speculative movement, they in turn benefit from the emotion that is behind that speculation. And that's the point I want to finish on for this week, is that everything we do as traders it is dependent upon emotion, and emotion in two particular ways. The first is the emotion of the market. Our job is to trade other people's emotions. But as an undercurrent to that, our job is to control our own emotions. And so that at the end of the day, what we are actually trading is what we see, not our own emotions. Most traders act like a little kid in the markets. They don't know that a great trading plan is their secret weapon. Isn't it time you grew the f*** up? Register on tradinggame.com.au and grab our free trading plan template. It's a sign of being a mature trader.